Nadim Nassar shared with Living Word Community Church Basildon on the 8th of February 2015. Nadim from the Awareness Foundation began his message by taking us to two passages, the first from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us, in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you. But I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. This is the second reading that Nadim wanted us to read. Philippians 3 verse 7 to 14. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one triune and living God, now and forever. Amen. It's great pleasure to be with you this morning, and thank you for your very generous invitation to share with you the love and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yesterday I met... uh, Zoe, from Open Doors, and we had a long, long chat uh, about how to collaborate and cooperate and consolidate our work together between the Awareness Foundation and Open Doors. 
And we have done that for the last couple of years now. And I have great admiration of um, the work of Open Doors. And I recommend that uh, your church really engage with Open Doors in a, in a serious way. Because what they are doing and the light they are shedding on the persecuted church around the world is amazing. Because one day, the, a couple of years ago, the, the Chancellor of Germany, Angela Merkel, said in the Bundestag, um, in Bundestag she said, Christianity is the most persecuted religion in the world. And that brought a storm against her because they considered her interfering with religion. And you know in Europe, you can't talk about religion. You have a principle, you don't talk about religion, sex, and politics. And I always say, if we do not speak about these three subjects in the Middle East, we keep silent forever. <laughs> because those three subjects are our favorite subjects, and especially religion. We breathe religion. The, the language is full of, full of expressions um, that you don't think consciously very much about, but you use them all the time. If you pass by some, somebody you don't know from Adam, and they are working, you, you, you say to them in Arabic, Allah yaqtik al-afiyah, may God give you strength or health. Even if you don't know them. Um, if you have a shower, God is there. If you eat, sahtain is there. Um, Allah, you know, you may, you may be shocked that we Christians in the Middle East, we use the word Allah to say, to, to call God. In the media, unfortunately, when they talk about Christian God, they turn the wave into using the word God. And when they talk about Islam, they switch the channel to Allah. And this is incredibly naive, ignorant, and insulting for people who are Christian who come from the Middle East. Christianity was born in the Middle East. And and we Christians in the Middle East, we use Allah, we don't use G-O-D, God. We don't have the word God. All what we have is Allah. And Allah is in the Bible. And actually, Allah is... is um, the, the, I don't want to go through the, the whole um, linguistic history of Allah, which means, you know where, where the Allah comes from? From El, Elohim. Elohim is the, is the plural of Ilah, Allah. So Ilah in Arabic means a God. And, and, and in the names we, we use, Michael, what is Michael? Anybody here is Michael? Do we have Michael here? No. Are you Michael? Okay. So um, Michael is, is Mika El. Anybody here is Gabriel? Gabriel is Gibra El. 
Israel, Israel. So the L at the end is Il, who was the, the big boss of, of the, the big God in Syria. Before the, the Jews or the Hebrews arrived to Syria, he was the biggest God in the pantheon of, of gods. And when the Jews came to Syria, they borrowed that God because they couldn't say Yahweh. So El became God in, 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 the, in the Hebrew scriptures. So El actually, even the Arabs took El from Elohim. Elohim is the plural of El. And in Arabic, El is Ilah. And when, when, when the Arabs wanted to speak about the one God, they, they added the, 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 the definite article, Al. Al in Arabic is the definite article. For example, Kitab is a book in Arabic. Kitab. The book is Al-Kitab. Got it? So, Ilah. What is the the God? Al-Ilah, right? Al-Ilah became Allah. Allah. So actually, nobody owns this word. The Hebrews used it, the Arabs used it, um, Judaism used it, uh, Islam used it, but actually it is a cultural word which was nothing to do with what we worship. But God works in the culture, not against the culture. God uses the culture to, to say something to us. Don't think if you, if you are a Christian, you should be alien from your culture. You are called to even dig deeper in your own culture. Otherwise, we are, we, we are alienating God. God works from the beginning through the cultures, the different cultures in the Middle East. And when God wanted to come and be one of us, He did not, he did not come and hover around in, in a, uh, um, some uh, alien way. He came a man in a culture. He came in a specific culture, he came in a specific land, in a specific people, with a specific tradition. He didn't come uh, with a mixed different cultures around the world. No. He said, I'm using this culture. It doesn't mean this culture becomes superior. No. But he's giving an example. That our culture, wherever you are from, is important. Because God speaks to you and to me through our culture. How, how, how did that happen? It happened because of what we have heard, from, from, first from, from Brian, from 2 Corinthians. Look at, at this incredible sentence of, of uh, St. Paul. Every word he said in this sentence means you can, you can write books of theology about. He said he was rich. Okay? He 
was rich. For our sake, he became poor. That we, through his poverty, become rich. It's amazing. This paradox. He was rich, he became poor. That through his poverty, we become rich. What does that mean? Well, I, I come, as, as Keith said, I come from Syria. And Syria now is going through hell. Absolute hell. I went last October and we, uh, we, we, we put together a, a, a leadership training conference for young people. 96 young people from all denominations came to the conference in Latakia. If, if you would notice on the um, um, map that Peter's put on, on the wall, Syria in the persecution of Christians is number three. Yeah. After North uh, Korea, uh, Somalia, and then Syria, and then Iraq. Iraq is number four. Christians in the Middle East are going through hell. And we have never been persecuted in the last thousand years in this way. Never. Since Jenkins Khan, when, when he invaded Syria in 1259, 1259 and 1260, those two years, were hell for, for Syria. Since then, we've never had that depth and that horrible persecution for our faith. The, the whole area went through a, a very difficult time. But Christ, Christians never died or suffered death in the brutality of suffering through beheading, beheaded, being beheaded or burned or, or whatever. Uh, this brutality has not come to, to the Middle East for Christians specifically since 1259. And the world has not yet recognized that. And we are losing everything in the Middle East. We are vanishing. We have been, we used to be about between 30 and 35 percent, the whole Middle East, not Egypt, take Egypt aside, but the Near East, we used to be 30 to 35 percent. Now if we are in the whole area, if we are 10 percent, we are lucky. And the, and the number is dropping rapidly. People are even either uh, being killed or, or, or captured or fled or left or whatever. And Christian women have never been sold in the market for the last thousand years. 
Christian women are being sold like slaves in the market in the 21st century. And Iraqi women, Christian women, and the jihadis sit and they, they compete in buying those Christian and other minority women slaves. We, we have lost everything. Or have we? If God lost everything, that we may have everything, we can't say we've lost everything. This is not gibberish, my friends. When he said, when, when, when St. Paul said, he became poor, how was he rich that he became poor? He was rich, right? And he became poor. How was he rich? Yes. First of all, he was with the Father's presence. Second, about who is, is, is he talking? Who, who is he became rich and poor? And Jesus Christ. Yes, Jesus, the man. So he was rich in what way? He was with the fa in the Father's presence. What does that mean? He enjoyed what? The fellowship with whom? And, and the Holy Spirit. He, he enjoyed the fellowship of the Father and the Holy Spirit. You know, our Trinity theology is very low. You know why? Because we are afraid to touch the Trinity. And because we think touching the Trinity or talking about the Trinity, it is a big trap. Who, who, who can speak or preach about Trinity? Most of my, my invitations to preach will be about Trinity Sunday. Trinity Sunday, everybody wants not to preach. Because most of the priests are afraid to preach about Trinity. And most, a lot of my colleagues, they say, Oh God, what shall I say? And every year there is this blooming Trinity Sunday. What, what can I say? Every year. And actually, it's not every year. Every minute of our lives, we should acknowledge the role of the Trinity in our lives. It is the model that the church, the society, our community is created and built upon. Because God in the Trinity is God in relationship. How can we live without relationships? God in the Trinity is God in love in the relationships. Because St. John said God is love. What is love? It's a relationship. Can you have love without having a relationship? What is love then? It's not, it's not poetry, you know. It's not hovering emotions. No. Love is nothing if it is not a relationship. And God is nothing if, if he is not a relationship. And when we say God is love, God is love because we have loving relationship with each other and with him. This is the Trinity. We live it every single minute in our lives. 
And he was rich because he was with the Trinity. He was with, in the perfect love with the Father and the Spirit. He was in the perfect holiness, in the perfect righteousness, in the perfect love. He was in his first original culture. The culture of love. He was rich in love. He was rich in holiness. He was, he, he, everything was created through him. In him everything was created. And without him, nothing would have been there. He was there even before the creation was, came to existence. That much, that rich he was. And he became poor. How did he become poor? First, he left. He came to who? To us. To the wretched us. What does it mean he, he came to us? What effects did that have on him? What happened to him when he came to us? He, he had to live in a, in a limited body. He was unlimited. He became limited. He had to what? Suffer what? Hunger. Thirst. Betrayal. Sickness. Everything. When he fasted, he became weak. He experienced weakness. He cried. He was injured. He was left. He was mocked. He was spat on. They spat on him. They spanked him. They lashed him. They hated him. More poverty. He was left from the, 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 the closest friends. Nobody stuck with him except his mother and John. Right? Even on the cross, everybody left. Everybody fled. Because he was a, a failure. At the cross, everybody saw him as what? As a failure. Is this, after three years following you, this is, this is all? Because they thought that was what? Everything. The end. You know, the film, after the, the Hollywood film, the end. Fine. That's it. Everybody goes home. But when the people stood up to go home from the cinema and, and somebody says, stop. Sit down. The film is, is, is not finished yet. And there was the, the resurrection. So he was poor. He became, the glass was poured to the last drop for our sake. And what was the last drop? The cross. 
He faced our last frontier. What, what, what is our last frontier? Death. That was the last drop. He was rich and then he became poor. Poor to the last drop. Even his blood left him. And the last drop in his glass was shed. Life. So that for our sake, through this poverty, through all what he went through, that we may become rich. How can we be rich through this poverty for God's sakes? A defeated, betrayed, left, isolated, defeated man on the cross. How can we be rich in that? Because of his resurrection. If he was not raised from the dead, the defeat was there. And we would be poorer than him. Poorer than him. But the resurrection turned all the poverty into richness. And through the resurrection, we became the children of God. John first says, so that to those who believed in him, he gave them the the power. He gave them the power to be the children of God. The power. Are we using this power? No. Most of us as Christians, we still are poor. We think we are poor. But actually, we have the power to be the richest in the world. But we rarely feel this richness. We go back to our poor little lives and, and, and poor little problems and we feel overwhelmed if, if we fall over. And we feel that the, the world comes to an end. I say to the Christians in the Middle East, in that poverty of the, of the Christians in the Middle East, we are rich. In that in, in that smashing, we are smashed. We are broken. We are still rich. Because no one, no one, no one in the world can touch that. They can touch our bodies, yes. They can, they can, they can torture us. They can throw us in prisons. They can sell us slaves. They can do all that. But the Christ in us, nobody can touch. Nobody can reach. And nobody can break. Are we in the West, as Christians, feeling this victory in Christ? No. Most of the times we don't. Let's be realistic. And, and why not? Because we still do not know the depth of Jesus Christ. The importance of Jesus Christ. And because of that, the second reading we heard, St. Paul says, I consider 
everything to be what? Garbage. Not, 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 you know, you know, rubbish and, you know, garbage. The word, the word in Greek is, is a shame. The word itself. Everything. I consider everything to be garbage and loss for the sake of knowing Christ. Because if we know him, we know how rich we are. There is no access to this richness except through knowing who he is. And if we don't know who he is, forget it. You're not going to access the richness. And to know him and the power of his... The power of his resurrection. Because the power of his resurrection is equal to the power to be the children of God. The same powers. You see this also paradox? Everything is garbage for the sake of knowing the Lord. He became that through his poverty we become rich. We can't express the depth and the the width and the height of, of the love of God except through paradoxes. Because the normal language is absolutely unable to express the richness of the grace of God. And only through him Uh, in Arabic who knows Arabic I say always means in English Jesus should Jesus Christ not in any sentimental way but truly must drip from your 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 ears and nose and, and, and eyes and mouth and you drip Jesus you, 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 literally, if I look at you, I feel Jesus dripping. I'm sorry, this is very vulgar image. But this is, this is, to, to the extent that you are in falait. It means you, you are exploding Jesus Christ. That, that's the way. We have no, no divine law. To, to, to tell us, do and not do. Thank God for that. We are beyond the law. To the grace. And the grace is knowing Jesus Christ. Yes, Christianity is the most persecuted religion in the world. But we are the richest people in the world. And the more we acknowledge how rich we are in Christ. The more we feel the victory, even when we are broken. Because no no religion in the world have this hope in the resurrection. We have the hope. Christianity is the faith of hope. 
And that hope gives us this richness. This love gives us this access. We have direct access to the richness of God who became poor, that through his poverty, through coming to us, through becoming flesh, flesh and blood and, and limited and, and faced the dirt, our dirt. He faced our dirt, our limited wretchedness, so that he gives us this divine access, divine. No religion can, can, can provide that. No philosophy can provide that. No spirituality can provide that. But Christianity provides the access to the divine heart, to the divine culture, to the culture of love. Are we reflecting that in our relationships? Or are we still beggars? Sometimes I look at the church and I feel we are a bunch of beggars. We still haven't got the point. The penny has not dropped yet. How rich we can be. How victorious we can be. How strong we can be. Only if we have the access through love. Through forgiveness. They can break the body, but they cannot break Christ in us. Whether in the Middle East, or in Korea, or in Somalia, or in Nigeria, or in Europe, Christ is, and was, and will always be, forever, the image of God in us. This is what we, what we should explore and discover discover, uncover so that he shines he rules and he gives us the access of this treasure treasure of heaven and of the heart of God only through him we can, we can feel that the power of our fellowship the power of being a church. The church is not an institution. The church is not big buildings. The church is the people who can access those treasures together. Otherwise, what the fuss? Everything is nothing. Everything becomes garbage. Unless we know the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.